0: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio, in high fidelity. Hello hockey fans and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa. (laughs) We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat
1: Quinn, you know, I'm like the finest man I've ever met in my life.
0: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Malarczyk.
2: There's something about George McSee that everybody says is a good pick.
0: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, as always, joined by Chris Lisa out on Long Island. Uh, We're doing our third annual mock entry draft special today with a couple couple guys that look heavily into the amateur ranks and the junior ranks, and and they keep tabs on things all year. So we're pleased to be joined by them. I'm going to throw it over to Chris for introductions and salutations. Good day to you, sir.
3: Good day to you, sir. Uh, well, I'm just super excited about the show. It's one of our most listened fun shows to do. And I know you have a special quick announcement of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm going to let you introduce our two great guests with their credentials and promotions. And as the former boxing referee, Mill Lane, uh, said, let's get it on after that.
0: All right, all right. We're going to get right to it. Well, joining us today, we have... Two, two great guys, I already said. Mark Scheig, he covers the Blue Jackets, the Erie Otters, and the OHL over at thehockeywriters.com. And Zach Devine, who writes for the Dauber Prospects and Hockey Profits. Um, so they're both real immersed in, in the amateur ranks and, and well-versed on, you know, all the ins and outs of, of where these guys stack up and where they're going to go. Uh, so, boys, welcome aboard. Mark, Zach, thanks for coming in today.
1: Always good to be here.
0: I guess we're still having trouble getting Mark's audio. Maybe if he can hear us. Uh,
3: no, I just I just can heard, heard here? Mark. Yep,
2: Mark, I'm here. are you there?
3: Okay, I'm. Here. Zach, okay, okay, are you there? Zach, are you there?
2: Yep, I'm right here. Thank you.
3: Okay, oh, great. Okay, and I just okay, want to. Okay, sorry, I, I, didn't, just want to pull, I didn't hear Mark. Uh, Go ahead. I just wanted to point out to uh, check out at uh, Zach. Why don't you uh, tell us you did a uh, mock draft in terms of from a fantasy perspective. Uh, why don't you let everyone know where they can find that and,
2: uh, uh, you know, in, in the coming days. Yep. We, we did our mock draft 2.0 over at dauberprospects.com uh, where I cover AHL, uh, minor amateur hockey, Europe and uh, kind of from a fantasy standpoint, but more and more we're seeing, you know, teams really, that's where they need to be going. They need to be taking talented players swinging for the fences. I, I, you know, we'll, we'll get into it throughout the show, but um, teams need to start swinging for the fences. And this is a good draft with some, uh, probably without generational talent, but, you know, we have uh, our first round all done up and a lot of great players that are out there, especially, um, in the center position.
3: That's great. And Mark Scheinke, you're going to be at the United Center
1: next week at the draft, correct? That is correct, yeah. Myself and Ryan Pike and Dan Rice are all going to be there um, at the United Center for both days um, for, from the first round till the last pick is made. So, you know, are really looking much forward to what could be one of the craziest drafts in recent memory. Well, oh, that's great. And uh, before we get
3: started, Mark Warner, why don't you tell everyone about uh, the special Vegas uh, hockey podcast announcement, and then we'll kick it off
0: to Zach with the first pick. Well, we have a couple things that uh, that are that are cooking for the show. That that uh, one of them is going to be taking place here real quick, and then another one we're cooking uh, we're cooking maybe kick off midsummer, uh, maybe sooner, maybe towards towards next season. Um, But right away, Chad G. Dominici, who's been a real good friend of the show, um, Buffalo Sabres guy, There's him and a partner are kicking off GrandstandSports.com, and they've asked us to jump in and and partner with them on that, and we're very pleased to do so. This will be our first show that uh, jumps into their podcast network that they're going to have on GrandstandSports.com. So we're real excited about the partnership chad's always always been a great guy he's real fun to talk hockey with and and i think it's going to be a great partnership for both sides going forward if you want to add anything to that chris uh i, I think i covered it
3: no you nailed it um and i uh, looking forward to it and uh uh it feels good when people that we really like out there and follow and read their stuff and they're big fans of the show it makes us uh feel
0: like we're doing something right every now and then well, yeah well, you know the blind the blind dog finds a biscuit once in a while kind of a scenario but uh no we're real fortunate and looking forward to the to the partnership um i think it's going to be a big success because because i mean chad really knows what he's doing uh not only in the hockey world but technology wise as well so i look for it to be a real fun interactive site and uh it, it's going to be a great platform platform to the show uh, we went we went around around a little bit about it but uh, we have a couple other things a couple more platforms that we're working working things out with um we're going to continue our affiliations with the hockey riders and obviously itunes SoundCloud, cloud radio for for now and we'll see where those partnerships go but uh we're real excited to be joining chad it's going to be uh it's going to be pretty sick i i believe so, uh, I think that covers all the bases we've got, uh, you know, I, I saw the, the there was like 10, 10 mock drafts that I was looking up when we were, when we, I was preparing for the show and the, there's like three players, four players that were included in everybody's top 10 and the rest of them, it, it's like you said earlier that people are going to be swinging for the fences and this, this is kind of going to be a draft where, um, the The consensus in your own room is probably going to take precedence over um, the international scouting rankings or whatever. I think if you're in the top 10 to 15 picks, your scouting department is going to have had to put the miles on the boots and get out and see some of these players across the pond, Russia, Finland, Sweden, other European countries, not just, not just the North Americans uh, who dominate the drafts usually, um, but if you find if if they found a player that they really are strong on and it, and it could be just because they have one great skill and they think they can build uh, the rest of the player into that NHL talent, um I think we're gonna see a lot of surprises in this Zach. Um, do do I have that kind of kind of nailed on where we what we can look for in this draft?
2: Yeah I, I think this is Guy, Zach, sorry. Yeah, I think this is a draft where there's, you know, there's no generational talent, but this is going to be a draft where I think a lot of good, solid depth players, especially uh, there's a lot of European defenders uh, slated for the first round. There's a lot of centers that are going to develop and and a lot of value just depending on who you like. But I agree, you know, this is once you get out of the top two, you know, lists and, and rankings and. Uh, industry people, independents, it's all over the map. I love it. I love it. Well, since you're on the clock, you're the
0: the first overall pick representing the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Zach Devine, where do the Devils go?
2: Um, straight away, I'm just going to take Nico Hirscher. Uh, he's my number one. He's been my number one pretty much all of uh, calendar year 2017. He's just dynamic offensively. He's got good size one, uh, just about 180 pounds, um, just a, a quick, fast player. He plays with speed, and I think that's what the NHL is moving towards. It's moving towards a game where you've got to be able to produce uh, off the rush. You've got to be creative. I, I think that he is the most talented uh, center available. Um, I know most uh, lists have him and Nolan Patrick kind of neck and neck, but for me, I think it's Nico. I, I think that that's what it comes down to. You take the player with the highest skill level at number one overall. Uh, you know, New Jersey has that top pick. They, they jumped up there, and you've got to take the best player available. It's an organizational need as well at, at center, in my opinion. Um, and you build down the middle. And I, I think, you know, the Pittsburgh Penguins the last two years have shown that. You have uh, – even with a, a hodgepodge defense, the centers that they could roll out there three, four deep is just too much. And so taking Nico, I think, is is the only play for New Jersey to infuse skill uh, and really get their rebuild off on the right foot.
0: All right, all right. That brings us to number two, and Mark Scheig. Uh, Philadelphia is number two, and you're on the clock, Mark.
1: And they probably have one of the easiest picks ever to make, knowing right. the Devils pick number one. Um, and of, so, of course, with Nico going first, um, that would mean that the Flyers are more than happy to take Nolan Patrick second. Um, I mean, you know, Ron Hextall, you know, got the background with with the Brandon Wheat Kings, so it's got to be a little bit of a thrill for him to be able to add some from the Wheat Kings as well. He's my Nolan Patrick's my number one. And I just think that although there really isn't that generational talent out there, I just I can't find a weakness in Patrick's game anywhere. He's just so good offensively, defensively, all three zones, you're getting a really complete player. So although he might not be dynamic in anything, he's really good at everything. And you you add that to a Flyers core, you know, put them right down the middle there, add them to that young D core that they've got, and you've got the makings of a really good team, and the Metropolitan Division is going to be even tougher knowing that Nico and Nolan are now being added to that division on top of what's already there. So, the Flyers are really thrilled to take Patrick second overall. Yeah, I got I got to think that's a good thing.
0: One concern, and I'm not sure if it's in in is a concern with uh, Mr. Patrick. Yes, um, he, has, he has put a couple injuries under his belt already in the juniors. Um, is that any concern at all? Or, or is he going to be 100% going into camp?
1: I believe he'll be 100%. I know a lot of people were worried about the injuries they had to go through in a really limited season. But he participated at the combine, did all the activities, um, even did 12 bench. I, I was really curious about the bench press especially, and he was able to do 12 bench presses. So it seemed like that he's been able to put that behind him. And now he can focus on being ready for camp, as you said.
0: All right. All right. Good yeah, deal. One, Good deal. Well, then,
1: go ahead. One thing to jump in on,
2: on Nolan Patrick, he's one of the oldest players in this draft. Um, you know, he's a veteran of Last I checked, over 150 WHL games. The book is written on him. You know, there, there's no surprises. He's been a, a top prospect uh, in this draft for the next couple years. Um, I, I, I don't I, – I agree. There, there's really no injury concerns. There's no question marks. The book's been written on him. Now it's just a matter of getting down to business.
0: All right, all right. Sounds good. We're going to go over to Chris, and I wanted to ask Chris real quick before we get to his pick with Dallas. Um, the way the the draft lottery shook out with these three teams jumping way up on the board, um, I wanted to get your opinion on which which of those three teams, and I and I know taking the two centers uh, one and two, what is Dallas going to do? There at the number three spot, and I believe this is a Matt Pryor pick who was un- unable to join the show, but was scheduled to be on, and I believe you're taking over for him. So this this was going to be Matt's pick. How does how does jumping up um, impact the future of the Dallas Stars? Yeah, I you know
3: I I think they're going uh, to get well. Like you said, there's there's definitely – after the top two, you know, I think if you look at most uh, uh, mock drafts or most expert, quote-unquote, experts or insiders, it's about a 50-50 proposition of uh, who has Patrick won, who has Herschler won. Um, so from that standpoint. But then after that, from three really to seven or eight, uh, the opinions vary uh, greatly. So, um, you know, again, I, it was definitely – there's a big difference uh, finishing uh, one and two in the lottery in this lottery versus three. Not that three is a bad pick, and um, if number two is the easiest pick in the draft, which I agree with Mark Shrike, it is. This is the hardest part uh, pick in the draft, and that's why I wanted uh, to seek out Matt Pryor, who's a great friend of the show. But I really wanted someone who knew the Dallas Stars inside and out, because I think that's the kind of person who's going to make the best pick here and really have a view of where the stars uh, will be going. Again, I uh, hope everyone checks out Matt Pryor's stuff at the hockey writers. Uh, he's been writing about the Dallas stars forever. He's, he lives in Dallas, a uh, great writer. Follow him on Twitter at big tech, 1926. I mean, you know, from afar, one would think, uh, and again, this is uh, from here on end, this is these are Matt's thoughts, uh, although I kind of concur with him uh, mostly. Um, you know, from before, you would think that the Stars need to get stronger on the blue line, uh, which they do in terms of their uh, production and talent and level of play. So what might jump out at you with this take is taking the defenseman. But this is a the team right now, that an organization that's pretty strong in young defensemen. Um, you know, obviously, John Klingberg's been one of their uh, main rear guards for the last couple of years, but... I know Stephen Johns has come along. You know, Julius Hanka is one of their top prospects, and he wind up, might wind up being their number one defenseman in the in the near future. Uh, you know, you have Essa Lindell, Patrick Nemeth, uh, Jamie Oloski, and Matt uh, mentioned a few other guys that are in the pipeline as well. So, uh, you know, with that, uh, with the third pick, uh, Matt has selected Gabe Lardy, the center, 6'2", 193 Pounds out of Kingston, Ontario. Uh, you know, this is a kid that has, uh, you know, great hands. Um, what I liked about what I liked about him is, is he makes everyone around him better, as well as creating a traffic. Um, he's been compared to, uh, in the hockey news, compared him to Corey Perry, which I think Dallas Stars GM Jim Nell will definitely sign up for. Um, and keep in mind, uh, Jason Spezza. Uh, the veteran is their second line center, and he's got two years to go on his on his deal, and most likely be moving on. Uh, also, be past his mid thirties at that point, and that's a point where Velarde could, uh, you know, step in, be the second line center for the team, and uh, especially at that point, they'll have given Sagan his extension after Ben's extension last summer. So we know how big those cap numbers are. So they will be a Velarde uh, and an entry-level deal will be important. So, number three from Matt Pryor, to Velarde.
0: All right, and, and we're, we're we're running through this without without trade speculations or anything. But I, I was wondering one thing: is is this a pick Dallas could move down if they think that he's still going to be available, say, in the six through nine slot?
3: I don't know if he'll be, uh, you know, Zach, uh, Mark, uh, might have a better um, feel for that than I. I I know Matt, in correspondence with him this week, felt that uh, trading out of this slot is a very real possibility. Now, I don't know if that means trading the pick for a proven player or trading down a few spots. Uh, Maybe there's somebody else that they like. They think they're going to get up a couple other picks. Uh, But uh, if they stay at this spot, um, uh, he thinks it's going to be for
0: okay I, and like I said, we're going through this without trade speculation, but it seems to me that might be a pick that could be moved and I just wanted to get Matt's opinion on that. so we'll move on. we'll go to number four, the unluckiest team in the lottery so far. I guess you could put Vegas in that category as well, both ending up as worst the position that they could possibly pick. Uh, Colorado having maybe you know one of the worst worst campaigns in in my recent memory. Um, and then getting relegated all the way to number four. That's uh, quite a bit unlucky there. Um, Going through some changes in the offseason, I think Duchesne and Landis Gogger are still on the trade block if someone comes up to the entry draft and wants to make make an offer for them. I think they still might move those two players out. Zach, where does Colorado go uh, with the number four pick here on the clock?
2: I think this is where it really starts to get interesting as well. You know, Colorado they they slid back 3 spots. Their blue line is an absolute mess. Um, Horrible. I have no idea yeah, why they're looking to move Duchesne and Landeskog. That just baffles me. Um, me as well. This, this is a little this bit right. of I'm sorry.
0: I was just say it's, it's disarray is a good way to term what's going yeah. on in Colorado right now. I don't think they even know where they want to go.
2: Yeah, and and this is a pick where, you know, depending on what happens, there's just so many moving parts. If they move Duchesne, there's a couple really good centers left. Uh, there's uh, the number one defender, Miro Hiskanen, that, that's here. And, you know, I, I had them going for a center, but I think at the last moment I'm going to switch up. I think they're going to take Miro Hiskanen here just because he's pretty much the consensus top defender available in this draft he's he's a, a safe defender two-way guy um, I, I don't think he has the offensive upside of, of say uh, kale maker or or even a, if you really want to go boomer bust Tim you know Tim lilligren uh, but I think hiskin in here is kind of like Nolan Patrick he has no real holes in his game he has good size he's been playing against men uh he was part of that debacle of team finland you know at the world juniors i I got to see him live a lot this summer he he's just a a quiet excellent defender i think he has room to grow as well um he's going to help get that transition going he's solid defensively he's he's smart with his decisions he sees the ice well i think that he's just too much uh defensively as far as a package for a team that desperately needs help on the blue line, especially looking down the road where their window starts to open up, I think Hiskinen is just too much to pass up here at four. Okay,
3: okay. If you keep so was... keep in mind too, Go ahead. Uh, they have their top their their top two prospects and probably the only lead pro, elite prospects that they have our forwards and Tyson Giles and Mikko Rantanen. So, uh, you know, even if they swing a trade and get a defenseman, uh, there's a lot of work to do on that blue line.
2: Yeah. And, and jo- I think Jost is ready. He was a guy all year. I, I felt like he was a one and done uh, and, it, and it proved to, you know, uh, that to be the case. And, uh, you know, Rantanen, I think ultimately he translates more as a winger, but Tyson Jose, I loved him last year. Uh, you know, just, a really excellent center. I think he has top line potential. Um, But as you said, Chris, that blue line is, it's a flaming tire fire and they've got to start addressing it. (laughs) (coughs) Flaming tire fire. Right.
0: Well, the the other thing about taking Heskinen is that I know they're quite a bit international and are familiar with each game. And and, uh, that probably helps the comfort level and and eventually will help chemistry on the ice, only um, between the defensive forward core, which is something uh, something else that um, out of Colorado said is is the ability, to, you know, see the ice from the blue line position. You breaking up a t- You breaking the up the There, Mark. Yeah, am I breaking up? Okay. Um, just see if I can adjust this. Anyway, I'm just going on about. Brandon and, and his and perhaps that a good chemistry builder to have the two guys together internationally um, there in Colorado. But let's move on. Mark Shiger's Scheig, going to come in. Shiger's going to yeah. and bring Va- Vancouver's pick. You
1: yeah, Vancouver. But that well, was all about um, <laughs> exactly. well, I, I think they've had their eye on one guy, honestly, and. The way that the first four picks have gone were the four guys that I thought. I had, I had Hiskinen going to Dallas and Velarde going to Colorado. So, you know, from Vancouver standpoint, um, it really doesn't change anything. Um, I think you need to give Bo Horvat a little bit of help down the middle. And to me, that leaves Cody Glass as the pick um, from the Portland oh. Winterhawks. He would not be going too far from where he's playing now, you know, learning under Mike Johnston and having just really impressive numbers, even more impressive numbers than um, Ryan Johansson's draft year. And you see how he's turned out um, really good playmaking center. Um, wish he'd use the shot a little bit more, but when he uses it, it's really effective. Um, really good speed. He just, he's a really good addition to Vancouver. Um, just knowing that, you can have a Bo Horvat and a Cody glass down the middle for several years. He's a nice foundational piece for a team that's looking to try to get things back together.
0: Uh, I think that pick is going to leave Chris scrambling here at the number six spot Uh, uh, representing, representing the Vegas golden Knights first ever entry draft selection. Uh, Chris was hoping Glass would slide down to the sixth spot, but since he is not available, Chris, who do you got?
3: Well, I have, you know, Herschler and Patrick, like everyone else on the planet, in the top tier, and I have four players in the second tier, and three of the first four have been, have been said. So, uh, you know, I just really like Cody Glass's game and all around, and, but uh, I, I don't think George McPhee, uh, it would mind this scenario as he would take a uh, uh, six foot one two hundred pounds center um, out of Minnesota, no less an American kid, uh, Casey middlestadt. you know when you talk about uh, uh, you know high end uh, if you if you going better uh, put a two dollar wage down on you know in terms of someone breaking through and who is gonna be uh, you know maybe not a generational player, but who can who will, come forth as the best players out of this draft when you look at you know skill and uh from you know vision to puck handling to to shooting to be a number one setter I think Casey Middlestat's got to be high on on people's list and uh like I said I think the fact uh, not, not that I don't think George McPhee will care but it's a nice bonus that he is a, an American kid um so I think Middlestat to Vegas will uh, get them on their way. I mean, he's going to need a couple of years, uh, but uh, they they would have to be thrilled with that with that selection.
0: Now he, he's going to go to the AHL next year, right? I would I would assume playing only in high school. Zach, really?
3: Zach and uh, yeah, Zach and Mark Shrike would know better than I on that one. What his plans are? He's going to college, is he not? Yeah, he's
1: going to – isn't he going to college,
0: boys, or no? Mark, since you're up next, I'll let you jump in with that. Or no, Zach's up next. But go ahead, Mark.
1: I was going to say, I'll look it up real quick. I thought it was college, but I'll get confirmation on that. I think it's University of Minnesota.
0: That would make sense. Anyway, if you look that up, Mark, we'll get to you on on, uh, your next pick. But we'll go to Zach here. Arizona Coyotes stay in the Pacific Division. And who does Arizona go with at the number seven overall pick? Zach?
2: Sorry about that. Yeah, uh, real quick on stat. He he is committed to the Golden Gophers. He's a Minnesota kid that, you know, he would rather – in Minnesota, the the high school tournament – it's it's up there with the Stanley Cup. I, I mean, it's it's amazing how those Minnesota kids and the fans there um, all follow high school hockey. Um, so with Middlestack going back to his high school to try to win a state championship, uh, falling a bit short, I, I don't see him going anywhere but the to, but to the Golden Gophers. Um, jumping over to Arizona, uh, my best player available. He's my number three overall. Um, I think. Uh, Arizona is going to be very excited to get uh, Elias Pedersen, who was just a fantastic player for Team uh, He was the center along with Jonathan Dolan, who really helped get his season going, played a bit with uh, Jesper Boquist as well, who's, uh, depending on who you talk to, a, a late first, early second guy. Um, you know, Pedersen is just one of those guys that when I watch him, the way he sees the ice, I just see top line center with him. You're going to have to be patient. He's very slight build. He's got the height, but he needs a steak buffet set up in front of him 24 hours a day. He's got <laughs> to add some muscle. Um, but you look at what the the tools that he brings. Um, he's a good skater. I've seen some knocks there. I I I find his skating to to be good, not great. But you know, you you can work on good feet. Uh, maybe you can't fix really terrible feet, in my opinion. Um, but the pieces are there. What you can't teach is his puck distribution, the way he sees the ice, his creativity. I think Arizona takes the most talented player left, and that would be Pedersen.
0: So Arizona's been building a, a good young core for quite a while now and, and bringing in um, Domi, some of their younger players starting to move up. Um, where where does he he's going to be in their next wave of development as well. Right. Once, once you get a couple more years under your belt, you, we can look for him maybe next season, two seasons down the road, maybe. Um,
2: probably two seasons. He's a, he's a player that's going to need to develop physically. Um, you know, Arizona just traded Mike Smith uh, to, to uh, Calgary. So, you know, they're, oh. they're shedding really aging players Yep, that happened. Uh, nice. Rights—they uh, traded uh, him along with, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, rights to Chad Johnson and some other pieces. There was a uh, a pick going in there. Uh, Arizona retained twenty five percent of Smith's salary, so that's going to help uh, Calgary hopefully finally address their net. But I, I think with the you know, this is really where Arizona's—you look at how they're drafting; they they're drafting for talent. Um, it's going to be – they're probably the closest drafting team to how I would draft a, a squad where you really start uh, swinging for the fences. You take the most talented players, uh, the guys that are going to impact the score sheet, that's – you know, those are the types of players you're going to want to get. And I think that uh, Elias Pettersson just checks a lot of boxes, and he has the capability, in my opinion, along with Cody Glass. Um, I think those are two guys that – with time and development, um, those are going to be two guys that I see as uh, one one C potential.
0: Well, I hadn't heard about the Mike Smith thing. That is uh, that's surprising that that's the direction Calgary decided to go with in their. And the, you know, everyone knew they were going to be in the market for a goalie this offseason. <coughs> Excuse me, and with the expansion draft, and you know, there's a lot of goalies that are going to be exposed that in my opinion, would bring a better value to Calgary without, well, the 25% salary retainer helps, but um, that's been a huge anchor on Arizona for a while. And I think they're probably pretty happy to be moving on from Mr. Smith. Um, Surprising that that's the direction that Calgary would go in um, to me anyway. Um, Anyway, moving on. We got uh, lost my train of thought. Shag is up next. And we're going to the Buffalo Sabers. What yeah, is Buffalo doing with the
1: number eight? Go ahead. Yeah, real quick, before we get to that, just a couple interesting report out there that um, it appears that the Minnesota Wild are not going to be able to trade um, a defenseman like Jonas brodeen Marco Scandella, which means that they both could potentially be exposed in the expansion draft. So that's quite a development nice. if that comes true with. So. Um, but to Buffalo, um, speaking of defense, they, I mean, they, they have the talent up front the Jack Eichel, the Sam Reinhardt, Ryan O'Reilly's of the world. They really need to fortify their back end. And there's two guys in this position that I think Buffalo would take a real hard look at. One would be Kale McCarr and the other one would be Timothy Lilligren. And I, I, I think you have to go with the highest upside guy here. And to me, that's Lilligren. Um, he had a really interesting year this year with a bad bout of mono, which took a lot out of him. But he's one, is a very dynamic skater, very offensively minded. Would be a great fit for Buffalo. Um, wouldn't be in the NHL right away. I think he's playing in Sweden next year. But um, you know, give it the time, he could be one of the most dynamic players in this draft and somebody that can help the blue line of the Buffalo Sabers.
0: Yeah, I thought he started the year ranked as the number one overall defenseman between Europe and North America. And, you know, with the mono and everything slid back a little bit, but I, I, I'm interested with how Coach Housley, um, and I don't know if you guys know what his flavor is on uh, European skaters over American skaters, being an American the himself, obviously. Uh, how do you think... Housley, he he said in his press conference that he wanted to be an attacking, uh, dynamic team. And I think Lilligran probably fits that a little bit better than McCarr, eh?
1: I, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, I, I think at that point, you know, they're going to look at the best available player and you would think he would be a defenseman. And I think Lilligran fits exactly what they're looking for, like you said, Um so that's the direction I think that they would go. I know a lot of people have Lilligren even farther down on the list due to some of the concerns, but um, no, he, he, he would be a great fit in Buffalo. I think that that's ultimately where they'll go.
0: I like that pick. And, and just for the record, I like Housley coming to Buffalo, too. He might be just, you know, you get the right guy in the right place at the right time. Um, a lot of times that's hard to do, but with some of the stuff that came out in the off season, when, with Bilesma leaving and and the, some of the rumors out of the locker room there, um, I don't think Howie's going to buy into any of that crap. And I, I, I think, uh, I love the pick. I love the pick. And I, and after going through that, you know, with Nashville, the experience he has, um, I think, I think it's a great coaching selection for the Buffalo Sabres.
1: And I'm going to throw something out there that I'm not sure if you guys are aware of yet since it may, may have happened during the show. But um, the Sabres and the Canadians completed a trade. It ended up being Nathan Borilo, um went from Montreal to Buffalo. So Buffalo gets another defender, and all it cost the Sabres was just a third-round pick this year, the 68th overall pick. And I think that's hmm. a highway robbery for Buffalo. Um, and that yeah. probably put Zach Bogota on... On the unprotected list with that move as well so it would be another stamp for why they would go Lilligren if you want to talk about you know getting a blue line together Well,
0: there's been rumors that there was uh, there's been a deal in place with Buffalo for quite some time um, and with the coaching change they were going to revisit it um, so not sure if that plays into anything at all with that. Just putting that out there for for a little vegetation rumination, if you will. Um, but there there has been talk in town that that there's been a deal uh, with Sabers on on the selection and the compensation for a little bit now. Um, uh, th- that's the kind. Uh, just to go off on that for a second, that's the kind of deal I thought that would we would be seeing would be. You know, you know, I'm, I, I, this player I can't protect. I have to get some sort of value for him. If somebody gives me a third-round pick, I'm going to jump on it because I can't lose this player for nothing. Um, and the, I, I think in the next couple of days, there, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that. Um, and that might might have played into the Mike Smith to Calgary thing too. Um, I, th- I think it's going to get super busy here in the next couple of days with just those kinds of deals. Um let me let me move on. Let me move on, Chris. You're in the nine spot. Uh Detroit Red Wings missing the playoffs for the first time in uh since Hector was a pup, I guess. Uh let's see where the Detroit Red Wings go with the number nine overall pick.
3: Yeah, I have my whole sermon ready that I, I thought I was gonna have to take a forward here and, and uh, Red Wing Nation would probably kill me. Uh, saying this guy's an idiot. Uh, we have plenty of young forwards uh, Look at our defense, but I'm a huge believer of taking the top uh, talent on the board. If it's close, then you can you can go the need route. I uh, remember a couple of uh, first annual mock drafts at the – I think the Devils were picking six. Uh, they picked one spot ahead of the Flyers, and they were desperate for forward help. But I fo- felt like uh, clearly the best player on the board was uh, Proveroff. Uh, which I took, and I know it's surprised you a bit, and, uh, and I, I told you that was my reasoning. And when the draft came, they took Pavel Zaka, who could still be a very good player, uh, but we've seen what Proveroff has uh, turned into. Um, so, But having said all that, uh, there is a defender on the board um, that I think Detroit has to take. Uh, unlike Dallas, who has a lot in the organization in terms of uh, defenders, uh, when you look at the NHL roster, it's littered with, you know, older players, you know, Mike Green's on the last year of his deal, Cromwell's well into his 30s. Uh, they got to remake that, that blue line. You know, they started to last year, um, you know, four of their first five picks were on the blue line, uh, 20th overall with Venice Trzalski, which was one, uh, just snuck in the top 50 of the Hockey News' prospects. So, um, I'm going to go dip into that and uh, take another blue liner in Calmaker. Maker. Uh, you know, it seems like from various scouts I've read, no one seems uh, to be worried about, you know, that he's a touch undersized at 5'10", 175. You know, he's, uh, he's excellent offensively, but he's just a good all-around player in terms of breakout passes, uh, skating with the puck, managing the puck. Uh, a high-end skater, I really like uh, people talking about this guy just really wants it, laser-focused, those kind of players in sports, uh, you know, they find a way. So a um, um, lot of good choices here, but I'm going to go with Cal Maker to the Red Wings at number nine.
0: Okay, that's why I, I think you saved yourself a lynching from the Red Wing Nation, sir, by going defense with that pick. There's still a couple good centermen that are top ten ranked. And wingers on the board too. Um, Florida with a nice mix of young talent, uh, front to back, really all around. Um, where, where does where does Florida go with number ten, Zach?
2: That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, you
1: know, is it the best available? You
2: know. Uh, you know, you you look at what they what they've got. They've got their number one center and Alexander Barkov. Vincent Trocek is a player I really like. I mean, he's just a hockey player. Um, you know, they they've got some some depth down down the center. But I, for me, um, I am not seeing somebody that I would, you know, with that tenth pick. I'm not seeing anybody better than Martin Nikas. Um, he's the the Czech player played in extra Liga uh, with the Comets. Uh, watched quite a bit of him this year. He, he was deployed mostly in a third line role, but, uh, you know, a, a lot of people say they see a, a, a two way player. I think his, his defensive game is certainly underrated, but I really like just, again, and, and you're going to see this throughout my picks. I like the way that he plays with the puck on his stick and he, and he's not scrubbing speed. Um, I see him as as a creative player. He's a guy that I think will add flexibility. He's been playing center, he can shift to the wing. So depending on what happens with all those young players that Florida's amassing, you know, that's that's a tomorrow team. But boy, they've got a lot of really good picks, uh, a lot of good players, you know, coming through that system. Um, I think Nikas just is a versatile player that adds a lot of skill no matter where you put him. I'm a big believer in, in having three attacking uh, forward lines, and so if you put him, you know, on that third line as a youngster to to be a a scoring winger um, and see if he can grow into a center, I think that's excellent. Uh, I, I'm higher on Nikas than than most. I, I've watched quite a bit of him. I've got him as my number seven available player uh, in this draft. So I think Florida picking at number ten, I think they get the best player available and a really flexible forward that, um, like Pedersen, I mean, he's, he's light, he's got to put on some weight as well, but you can allow him to be patient, uh, uh, and, and get that bulk that will help him at the NHL level. And I think that his skill level is certainly, uh, projecting into, uh, likely their top six,
0: Interesting pick, interesting pick. I just want to uh, – I don't know if I missed this player coming off the board. Michael Rasmussen, is he still available for us?
3: Yeah, he's still you? available. Oh, yeah. Yep.
0: Okay, yeah. well. He should be
2: for quite some time.
0: Really? I'm, I'm going to i gonna go to number 11 with L.A. with that thought. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> oh, that, that's pick more whoever you want. <laughs> oh, okay, Shike's got 11. I'm sorry, my bad. Uh, Shiger, the LA Kings on the clock at number eleven, and and I'm not saying I'm just saying, uh, who are they going to go with at the number eleven pick?
1: I'll tell you, I'm going gonna, gonna to go back to Nikas for a I think that's a really interesting pick. You know, he was I do he too. Was, you know, number seven. Um, I talked to him at the combine, and he was one of the few prospects that actually shared a little more information than just given the regular answer. He actually admitted that he and the Detroit Red Wings had dinner together. And that's an, that's a really interesting admission, just kind of knowing that Detroit's right in that spot where, you know, there are teams that do value. high, and I think they're really interested in Nikas at that spot, but that's a really solid pick for Zach um, for Florida there. Um, can't wait to see how that one actually plays out. Um, but as for the Kings though, um, you're actually talking to someone who I feel that Rasmussen's one of the little, one of the more overrated prospects. I'm not saying that he's bad, but I just feel like that, um, he's a little bit lower on my list. And I actually think the Kings do go after a center, but they go in a little bit of a different direction. I actually have Nick Suzuki in that spot. And Ooh. watching him and you know, take the Owen Sound attack to the OHL Western Conference final. I think he's one of the ten best players in this draft. Um, one of the nicest kids that you'll ever meet, but he's also one of the most skilled players you ever meet. He was the the reason that Owen Sound did what they did. He made everybody around him better. He's a great passer, he can finish. Um I mean, he, he was the reason that they went 33-2-3 in their last 38 games, and they were the best team even over Erie at the end of the regular season. Um, this is a dynamic player, and, I, and it, the Kings need dynamic players like this. So that's why yeah. I feel the upside Suzuki's higher than Rasmus, and therefore I say Kings go after Nick Suzuki with the 11th pick.
0: That's interesting, right, and it's, it may – yeah, it may move into the new direction that the Kings are going with uh, Mr. Stevens behind the bench and Mr. Blake in the front office, where, I mean, typically in the past, you'd see Lombardi, if there was a 6'6", 220 center sitting there at the number 11 pick, you, you could go to the bank with the fact that, that would be that would be their prototype player, and to bring in a Suzuki at that pick might signal, you know, he might need to put on a few pounds, but um, obviously, number one and number two centers are set for a long time in LA, but to, to bring in a dynamic, offensive, skilled player like Suzuki to fit that third line role in a couple years um, that could signal the new directions for the Kings. Um, very interesting well, pick. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah,
1: here's the other thing. Yeah. Too. The other player that I actually considered in that spot. Um, I actually thought Florida would have went in this direction, but, you know, with Nikas being there, is Owen Tippett. I actually feel that he's the second – I actually have Tippett as the best OHL player, even over Velarde, just because I feel like that he's a little more dynamic, especially with the speed and the individual skill that he has. And the fact that he's still available, I could have very easily put Tippett in that spot. Um, Both really good players. It is The fact that Tippett's still available at that spot, I I think that – Someone's going to jump up and grab him really quickly just given what he brings to the table.
0: That's interesting. That's the, this draft is going to be all over the map. I can't wait to see um, where this thing all shakes out um, just for just for those reasons. Um, so the, the Kings are going going offense, going di- going dynamics. Let's go to Chris here, and my list is a little wonky um we're we're at carolina number 12 overall there we go um carolina had a beef to pick with them over, over last year's draft so let's see where they go they're surprising me throughout the season where they were you know sniffing the playoffs well 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 past where most people myself included thought they would be um what do they do with the number 12 pick chris
3: yeah i mean ron francis uh you know he's not gonna feel any pressure in terms of position pressure because um, you know he had uh, he has five really good kids uh, their top five prospects are closing in uh, on the NHL led by their two first rounders of last year, Jay Bean, who I know Mr. Devine is a big fan of, and uh, Julien Gauthier. So um, you know I'm gonna make Zach happy here because I'm gonna leave somebody on the board who I think he's gonna jump on in the next pick. I'm not going to say who it is, just in case I'm wrong. Uh, and Mark uh is going to make look like a soupsayer. Uh Yeah, if Owen Tippett is still on the board, um, Ron Francis is going to take him. I mean, when you look at, you know, I know there's been a couple things, like when you get past 15 feet, I think the hot Road road, as some scouts said, well, I'm a little concerned. When you get past 15 feet from the net, but, The bottom line is you can't teach size. This right winger is 6'2", 204. Um, He is an excellent skater. He's got natural goal-scoring instincts. Um, Many have said he might be the best goal scorer in the draft. Um, And he's been compared to Phil Kessel uh, in terms of as a player, a player on the ice. So uh, I think if you're Ronnie Francis, uh, you have to take Owen Tippett in this spot. And, uh, that's where I would, uh, where I would go, uh, leaving someone else up there for Zach. Let's see if I'm right.
0: Well, let's bring Zach in for the 13th overall pick and, and, uh, see where we're headed.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to echo Chris's statements, you know, on, on tip, but I have him as a, as a top 10 player. Um, Carolina looks, uh, on paper to be really set at center. Um, Lucas walmart's likely making the jump next year uh they've got sebastian ajo you know they, they've got some really good young centers and, and not to mention um and i why am i blanking on uh the big 45. center that they've they got stall there not stall um oh my gosh dinner the, yeah, they've got Skinner. I mean, they've got they've got all the pieces. That's that's where I'm. Uh, Elias Lindholm, you know, that's a guy that I think and I know. He, he's pretty much playing on the wing, but I think he could be uh, a center. He's still really young at 22. Winnipeg, here I think this is where you know this draft really gets kind of going sideways. Um, I look at Winnipeg and I see a team that needs uh, defenders. Their their pipeline. Uh, especially with Morrissey coming up and him and, uh, and Truba were an excellent pairing. They were phenomenal together. Um, they need blue line help so bad, but I, I just can't leave. Uh, boy, I'm really struggling with this pick now looking at who's left on the table. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Leah Anderson here. Um, you know, cool. he had an excellent year for HV 71. He's got the ability to play all three forward roles, um, I think he's one of the most complete players in this draft. He's five eleven, but a stout two hundred pounds. Plays with a bit of an edge. Uh, I, I just I think that he's going to be one of those glue guys that you can put anywhere in the lineup. He's going to produce. I like his hands. I think he has untapped offensive upside. Um, I, I he ha- he's my number nine that that's still left. Um, And I just feel like Winnipeg's got to take the best player available right here. And for me, that's Leas Anderson.
0: Wow, I think you surprised Chris with that one, Chris.
3: Well, It's not a big surprise, but I thought he was going to go somewhere else. I'm not going to say who, because I want to see who Mark Shrike takes, because I have to pick 15. so.
0: So you're sitting there at 15 hoping someone falls into your lap is what I'm hearing.
3: I have two players I really like. If I was Gart Snow right now, and I know I'm going to at least have a shot at one of them. So, um, uh, so it's going to come down to who Mark Shotty picks here with Tampa at 14.
0: Okay, well, we got Tampa. Well. Tampa just made the yep, trade, um, moving Drew in out. So how does that affect their draft board?
1: Well, I. In this spot, the player that I had pegged for Tampa um, is still on the board. Um, I think the trade actually solidifies it more because it, had, you know, they they were looking for a defender, and Mikhail Sergachev certainly has the upside of being a a dynamic offensive defender, who some even have higher than Victor Hedman, and that's saying quite a bit. So
0: that's says a, a whole lot. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, the guy that I'm actually going to pick here, I actually have, I think he's the third best player in the entire draft. The problem is there's just so many questions about him, in terms of, you know, is he going to come to North America? You know, I mean, he, he's been given comparisons to Afghani Malkin. He he's got that kind of skill, um, and this is a definitely a candidate for someone who's going to fall, but. Someone's eventually going to take the chance because the upside is too great. And I feel like that Tampa in this spot, can't let this player go by any further with the 14th pick. And with that in mind, um, Clint Costin is going to be the pick here and he's really dynamic. It's just, you you see the situation that he's in. Um, I think there was something about, um, Dynamo Moscow and the fact that, um, there's all kinds of legal trouble going on with this team. And would he be willing to come over and questions about his consistency? But when you look at him on tape, I, he's, he's top three in my mind, just behind Patrick and Nico. So I, I think Eisman takes a chance here. You throw him with that core, um, uh, great things happen. Um, that's why I have Costin going 14th in Tampa Bay.
0: All right. All right. Same old – same old Russian Russian questions that tend to come up around players this this time of year. Um, not so much lately, but I remember in late 90s, mid-90s, it was uh, always a leverage point to, uh, well, I'll just go back to Russia. I'll just go back. I, I don't have to come over there if they didn't get their way. And it kind of stuck with me that there were a lot – I don't know if that's a, a broad-based brush to paint with, but uh, a lot of those a lot of those moves and players from back then um, kind of painted that painted that picture for me so interesting if they're going do going to go that direction that high up on a, on a player who isn't really hasn't really committed to to NHL. Um, so Chris there you are New York Islanders 15 overall pick and you probably have both of your selections to pick from with the uh, the Tampa Bay lightning selection from Shiger there. So which way does the Islanders go?
3: I do. Uh, and I, I've seen cost in uh, good friend of the show, Russ Cohen. He has them very high on his draft board as well. You know, the Islanders as is, are you know, it's a, it's going to be a future FX American show to get sorted in out of Russia. So, uh, although Garth does like to draft some Russians. So, uh, um, you know, I don't see a Charlie McAvoy here. I don't see an Adam Fox. I don't see a Jeremy Barocco on the board, unfortunately, uh, in terms of being a Long Island kid. Uh, but all kidding aside, um, and I think I might get Zach's back on this because I believe he's pretty high on his board and he's still up there. Uh, Eli Televine is uh, just too good. You know, I know he's not – he's got to, again, like Zach says, he's got, to, he's got to eat a few cheeseburgers or maybe, you know, a little bit healthier than that. But, uh, you know, at the, what I read about him is speed, smart, skill, great work ethic, energy, high compete level. I'm in. Um, you know, that – if you're at the 15th spot and you can get a player like that, um, I'm definitely in. Uh, the, uh, the Islanders have a lot on defense. Um, now in the pipeline, even if they make a trade between now and, uh, and, the, and, and the draft, um, they do have some young forwards coming as well. But, uh, yeah, Eli Televinen would be my pick. Uh, ho- hopefully I have Zach's blessing on that one. But uh, uh, I have a quick question for both Mark and Zach uh, now that we concluded our f- 15 picks and that is, and I'll start with, uh, Zach first, and then we'll go to Mark, uh, Shai. who is the best player each of you have on your board, just based on, you know, not need or not fit or just best player on the board. We'll go to Zach. Burke.
2: Um, I like the Tolvanen pick, you know, I, I, to me, he's, uh, a goal scoring winger. I think he's got a lethal shot. Saw him, uh, in person quite a bit this year and um he's small uh but he's speedy, he's shifty, uh he's got that elusiveness, great speed, um, plays fast. And I think that's for the small players, they've got to be able to push that tempo and keep the, the bigger players away from them. Um that I think that's that's a great pick. Um, you know, just kind of looking at, at my list, which is over at uh, hockeyprofits.com, I'll have my final rankings out later this week. Um, once I get unburied from from everything, really the best player, you know, looking at my my April rankings that, that's left um, is Kayler Yamamoto. Actually, I'm, I'm going through this real quick. There's there's few that I like here. Kayler uh, Yamamoto. I mean, he's a small player too, five foot eight, uh, 160 pounds over there with the Spokane Chiefs. Um, But, you know, he's a player that, again, he's a small guy. A lot of what is said uh, about uh, Tolvin and you can say about Yamamoto as well, but more on the puck distribution side. Um, Yamamoto and Jared Anderson Dolan, who I'm pretty high on, I have him 15 uh, 15 range as well, so he could be there. Um, Just two fast, smart players. Um, I think both those guys really fed off of each other, but Yamamoto's playmaking ability from the wing. I saw him this summer at the NJEC, and he was playing uh, alongside Clayton Keller and Kiefer Bellows and contributed heavily to that line with his playmaking and speed. Um, Yamamoto, I think, is a guy that if you can get past the size, and that's – it's not to put too bad of a putt on this, and it's a big hurdle, um, that's a little bit spooky. Um, he's definitely, I think, a wing. He does play – all over. Um, but that's, that's my best player. Another player that is, is falling, but I think has the talent that we might see him go a little bit higher is Chris, uh, Kristen Veselainen. Um, he's just a, he had a a terrible year bouncing all around, couldn't find a home, went from SHL, uh, to Liga and back and and just kind of all over, but he's six foot three, 203 pounds. He's got a great shot. Um, I, the one thing that worries me is that his his compete level really comes and goes um, when it is there. It's excellent. Um, but that's a player that I that could be a little bit more of a project again, um, but has just a lot of he checks a lot of boxes. OK, over to Sorry, you. Mark.
1: Well, I guess um, there's three guys that I actually kind of have similarly ranked that are left on the board that I feel like could all go higher um, than, you know, how it transpired here. Um, I think my personal favorite is Yusuf Alamaki from Tri-City, the defenseman, real big, solid defenseman, hardly caught out of position, offensively minded, a little bit of a power play specialist, but kind of along the line of Finnish defensemen. It has been a n- nice set of those. Ole Joe Levy from last year. Um, I think Val Mackie's getting I, some talk.
3: I thought you were going to go there, Mark, for uh, the Tampa pick.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I thought about that, but then I saw the Chev trade, and that kind of made me go offensive mm-hmm. with the pick. But definitely put a lot of thought into him. Talon Foote, another one, Um, you know, Adam Foote's son. I mean, it makes me feel old just saying that. But um, big size, just like his dad, Punisher. Um, I feel like that teams in the middle of the first round are going to benefit because there's a lot of centers at the top, and you feel like that there's going to be teams going after those centers. But then you get down to the middle of the first round and beyond, and you get these defenders that, you know, are – going to be really good. And I feel like they're going to play in the NHL someday. So these are going to be players that, you know, you're going to see a lot of falling into the laps of teams, just depending on what happens ahead of them. So players like Valimaki and foot and the other guy that I have, who I think should be rated a lot higher than he is, is Robert Thomas of London, who, you know, I would say Columbus, if, you, if they have their draft pick would take a hard look at at 24. But I feel like that their twenty-fourth pick is going to be part of a, a Vegas deal. Um, great center, you know. Obviously, we know the track record of London. He just he plays well at both ends of the ice. He's got good speed. I, I feel like that he's the ring. I feel like that there are teams that actually value him as a top ten pick. So there, there's a lot of really good talent, you know, going down um, the draft board here. And they said, it, it, it's anybody's game. It'll be really interesting to see who does what. And I think we'll get some really good insight into what team's value as well when you have such variants. That's why this draft will be very interesting.
3: Yeah, and
1: i got well,
0: a question. Got a qu- Go ahead. Uh, well, I wanted to, before we get on to that, I wanted to say, um, first of all, thank you guys for jumping on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And, and doing this with us again. It's always a great show for us, and we and – we, I, I know I do. I learn a lot about these kids that, that, let's face it, being in Las Vegas, I don't get to see or hear about as much as, as you guys who are at the combine and, and scouting these guys all year long. So I appreciate your insight and your expertise in doing the show. if we were going to assume that Hishire and, and uh, Patrick are going to be in the NHL next year, is there – and i'll I'll go to mark first with this one is there a kid that you see um maybe even depending on on where he goes um who who we might see in the nhl next year that was that came off of our board
1: yeah i kind of gone back and forth a little bit on that in terms of who might be nhl ready um Velardi jumps out of me as someone who I think could make the jump. Um, I think he ends up back in Windsor for one year, but he's somebody that I can certainly see um, do that. Um, really, outside of that, um, I'm really not really. I mean, I I think maybe a couple of the defensemen could make the jump depending on what situation they land in, but I think yeah, outside of Nolan and Nico, I think we're going to see. Yeah, not not very many. I mean, I think that just kind of goes to show you the um, landscape of not really having that generational Austin Matthews, Connor McDavid type of talent out there. Not saying any of these players are bad by any stretch. Just um, I think one year. um, I think most of these guys are going to be one year away. Um, But I think if anybody could make the jump right off the bat, um, Velarde would be my candidate for it.
2: Yeah, I I two two quick thoughts. I, I think uh I think Leas Anderson, I I really feel like he's got that capability to make that jump uh just at his age to play the way he does defensively, the versatility up front, he's played against men. He's a player I think could surprise and has a uh a good shot actually uh to be coming in and and impacting a team straight away, Uh, especially, uh, you know, if a team that needs help, that's going to struggle kind of in those, those late lottery spots, you know, the, the Carolina, Winnipeg, uh, Tampa, probably not. Tampa was kind of a fluke, weren't they? I feel like they're probably more of a contender. Um, LA Kings, I think that would be a a good spot as well. I'd also like to formally invite everyone to jump on the Robin Sallow hype train. Um, I've been, leading that shoveling call into that engine all season long. I think he has the ability uh, to be a top pairing defender with some time, some patience. He played on a very, very weak Vasen sport uh, side over in, in, SM Liga. Actually he's, he's such a smart player. He played three games as forward when his team was beset by injuries and did not look at a place, just a smart player transitions, uh, the puck up ice really well, not a great shot, but it's accurate, but that's a guy that can just be a two way minute muncher. Uh, certainly a top four guy, uh, that I think a lot of people are, are underestimating what he brings.
0: Okay. There you have it folks. Chris, what, uh, what did you want to get to?
3: Uh, yeah, I just have a quick question. Cause we had a great, and I don't know if there was any other trades during the show or any impactful trades, but the other day we had a, a real great, interesting hockey trade when Steve Eisman sent Jonathan Druin to Montreal for a circuit chef and uh, looks like a second-round pick in 2018. So, uh, you know, I want to get, starting with Zach and then and Mark Scheich, your thoughts on the trade, how how good of value did uh, Eisenman get for Druin. And uh, do you expect Sergachev to be in the NHL next year? Start with Zach.
2: So, yeah, phenomenal value. That That's just a hell of a trade. If Montreal thinks that Jonathan Drouin is, is going to be uh, solving their center issues, I've got really bad news for them. Um, Sergeyev, get. I mean, that's just a heck of a get. You know, he doesn't cost them a protection spot. Uh, excellent defender. You know, huge, huge player, you know, for Windsor. Um really like his upside he i had him uh, as my number two defender in his draft year and that's probably going to come back to haunt me um really really like that trade uh for stevie eiserman who just continues to pull rabbits out of his
1: hat and mark yep i'm right there with yeah right there with you zach um watching sergey chev especially in the memorial cup um I think just proved the kind of player that he's going to be. I do think he ends up with certainly a shot to end up with in the NHL next year. He was just impressive all the way around, whether it was um, shutting you down, whether it was operating the point in the power play. Um, I mean, just watching the Memorial Cup final um, between Erie and Windsor with all those lightning prod- is basically a showcase of the future of the Tampa Bay Lightning, seeing – Anthony Sorelli and Taylor Radish and now add Sergeyev to that mix and Eric Chernak. I mean, you're talking about... A, it's just a really solid deal all the way around, like you said, pulling a rabbit out of a hat, not costing a protection spot. I mean, Drew Rand's a high-end player, but, yeah, is he the center of the future? Yeah, that's, that's a whole different discussion. I mean, it just goes to show you why Stevie Y is highly regarded as one of the best in the league, and it's for making trades like that to um, not put his team in a bad spot, but to make his team a lot better. Um, we'll definitely see Mikel in in the NHL um, come next year. You know, Not sure what else he has and he to got prove a, in Juniors.
3: And he, and, he got, and he got a second round pick. I thought it would be the hell of a deal if he just got surgery. And he got a second round pick at next year's draft, which is, you know, it's early, but people are saying that could be a really uh, a draft, like the last couple on that level. So, Oh, God, I wish he was in Long Island. Yeah, if anyone wants to move back to 2018,
2: that's the draft to do it. I I think any GM, you know, if you're talking a a top 45 pick in the 2018 draft, um, you listen to any and all offers. And and for Iserman to, you know, he's outside of, you know, kind of that key area for me, but that was, (laughs) that trade was just ridiculous. I, I, and, and then with the, Maybe maybe the Canadians just hate defenders. Maybe you know with today's trade and then Sergachev, I tweeted that out, and I I think we're bordering on confirmation that the team, you know, we don't even need anyone else to tell us the team is showing us because there's they're just letting a lot of really young talented defenders go. I I mean, Ann's a a great player, and um, I'm not as high on him as most, but I I mean to give up Sergachev, that's I, I, I don't know. That that just that's another head scratcher for me. That's that's a move Joe Sakic would
0: have made. Well, Guy, here's the thing any, too about. Uh, if, let Guy me make one more point there on what what Zach was just saying. The, the, the Steve Eiserman being and Mark as well. The Steve Eisman being highly regarded. Don't remember it wasn't that long ago where Drewin was was sitting, you know, refusing to report to the AHL, and then to bring him back into the fold, get him get him. Uh, into recovery mode if you will and then be able to flip that you know a, a a problem player if you will and and recover his reputation enough to be able to flip it for a circuit chef that's that's magical almost is it not
2: yeah Iserman's in the early running for general manager of the year and we haven't even done the 2017 awards yet right 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 oh, with um it-
3: were there any uh, were there any other uh, impactful trades since we've been
0: on air other than Mike Smith? No, I, I, I'm refreshing Bob McKenzie's Twitter feed constantly, and the the yeah. freeze is on, and there's been nothing else moved. Minnesota. He, he specifically mentions the Rangers were trying to do a deal and didn't get anything done. So the rosters are frozen. The expansion list will be handed out tomorrow morning, and. Teams can begin trading at 10 o'clock Eastern Time again tomorrow, only if their trade partner is the Golden Knights. Otherwise, there's no deals if or signing until Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern. So that's if it. If I
3: can make a quick point, a point about that. That to me is. Uh, I'd like to get everyone else's opinion about this. Is gold for George McPhee because, Absolutely. in essence, uh, in essence, you know, I thought all these different teams who had all different needs from. From you know needing offense or defense, or goaltending, or salary cap, or protection problems, you name it. That they they had this whole week to to you know roll up their sleeves, find common ground, and for whatever reason, they couldn't. And now uh, it's going to leave McPhee in, in a position where he can garner prospects and draft picks and and really uh, you know, develop, uh, the future of that organization and, you know, really ramp up, uh, those kind of things. And, and, uh, let's get everyone. And I also have a question, a last question about David Clarkson, since we have Mark Scheig on, uh, in terms of his expertise about that contract, but, uh, Zach and and Mark Scheig and, and Mark, you as well. What do you think about that?
1: Um, are you asking about Clarkson or are you asking about Vegas right now? Uh, no,
3: I'm uh, to Vegas right now.
1: Oh, Vegas. Okay. So what a spot to be in, like you said. I mean, everybody has to go through you. So if you're the Minnesota Wild or each other team that is in a really precarious spot um, when it comes to your protection um, situation, McPhee holds all the cards and, What a great spot, because now he has the leverage, and he can take advantage of situations and maybe squeeze some extra picks out or get some good deals out. You know, I mean, this team just seems set to become competitive in a lot quicker amount of time than the last time we went around this, and it'll just be fascinating. I think I saw someone say that the hurricane is here, and we're in the eye of the storm because... It's clear right now, but all around us, there is talk, talk, talk. And to see what happens, just to be a fly on the wall to hear some of these conversations would be just absolutely fascinating.
0: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I'm a a regular contributor over at Sealtown USA. We talk a lot of Barracuda and San Jose Sharks and prospects and just about everything else on, on our YouTube channel. Um, but the, uh, this off season is going to be, it's going to be record setting. Uh, we've been saying that since January, all of us. And and every time people like, Oh, you're, you're coming up with these crazy, you know, ideas of what could happen. And you're going to see it. I, I mean, Vegas holds everyone by the short hairs. You've got a lot of teams with contracts. They hate you have Vegas that can come in, you know, they've got to staff a team there's going to be, third, you know, realistically, there's going to be 25 or so new NHL jobs. So what does that do for, like, reaching to the Barracuda, a Ryan Carpenter, or a Buddy Robinson, guys that are fringe NHLers, then all of a sudden you dilute the, the teams down a bit, all of a sudden they are NHLers. So then you, you're you a team that's lost somebody. You've You've had to give up, you know, picks to protect somebody else right? So you're going to see probably uh, the kinds of trades where it's like, Hey, next year we'll give you a fourth round pick to stay away from this goaltender prospect. Um, or, you know, this young player that we, we can't protect, or you're, you're going to see stuff like that. And so everything going through Vegas with who's available to them on defense and and, and goal, if they can swing a couple trades for some good forwards, I think goal scoring is going to be their issue, but if they can get um, some veteran offensive, you know, presence, that team could make a lot of noise in a Pacific division that um, is kind of in flux.
3: Yeah, no, I agree I with it. Take
2: here, oh, go I ahead, I want to take advantage here, since we are
3: the, the Vegas Hockey Podcast, it's a very important point. Um, Mark Scheich, uh it's been reported this morning, a couple different outlets that, you know, and you alluded to it, that Vegas and Columbus have already – Struck a deal which will be announced, I think, on Wednesday. And in essence, they're, they're, Columbus is going to control uh, who Vegas takes in expansion, and they're going to take David Clarkson off their hands. Uh, and it, along with that expansion pick, Vegas is going to get uh, Columbus's first round pick, 24th overall and a prospect, uh, which will not be Pierre-Luc Dubois or my boy out here in uh, Massapequa, Sonny Milano, which I thought it could be. Um, Now, David Clarkson's contract, obviously his career is done due to injury. Is that a situation where Vegas is basically it's not going to affect their cap the next few years, and they're just going to be writing the checks? Or uh, How does that work? Or is there going to be a bit of a cap hit that's going to cost
1: them with that trade? Well, we have limited information. I know it's just reports right now. Um, I'll go over what I feel like that I've gathered out of this whole situation based on all the reports, and obviously we'll learn a lot more about this when the trades are finally revealed. But um, my, my understanding is that this would be a trade where all David Clarkson's contract, which is three more years, cap hit is five point two five million per season. But it, we're to the point of his contract where the actual dollars are down because it, it was a weird contract where it was really front-loaded, incentive-laden, but the actual dollars are like $2 million, $1 million, $1 million or something like that. But the cap hit still $5.25 million for three seasons. Vegas absorbed that entire contract for the length of the contract. Um, and then Columbus would get assurance that certain players would not be taken which to me sounds like Joshi Anderson, sounds like um, Jonas Corposalo, the goaltender. Um, and then in exchange, Vegas gets the 24th overall pick, as well as a mid-level prospect of some sort. Like you said, it wasn't Luke, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois or Sonny Milano. Um, it just screams to me that... Um, the Blue Jackets are trying to protect their core, at least what they consider to be their core, and are steering Vegas in a certain direction, like Matt Calvert, like William Carlson. And then a very interesting situation to follow is either they can expose Ryan Murray, you know, given all the injury history and kind of the up and down, Jack Johnson, who has one year left on his deal. I just feel like that this points to something bigger because – Right now, the Blue Jackets are up against the cap. I think Cap Friendly says they have like $2 million left in cap space, and they still have to sign Alexander Wenberg and Josh Anderson. So, taking that cap hit off in the offseason gives them the flexibility to be able to sign um, their restricted free agents to new contracts. And it also points to possibly a bigger deal later um, if they wanted to make a trade, say, for Matt Duchesne or somebody else like that there's just a lot of moving pieces and we need to wait to see what the actual trade is before we judge it. Cause that's a lot to give up that, that kills Yarmo line. He wasn't at the combine and that to me rang a bell because that's one of his favorite events to go to. He's there watching all the prospects, but yet yeah, he was nowhere to be found. So I think I feel like that he knew that his first round pick was going to be going to Vegas. Um the, to take David Clarkson's contract, so that they can get the extra flexibility. Um, it, it, it's really fascinating to see what the what um, Columbus had to pay just to, for Vegas to be able to avoid certain players. And you know, there's word that Vegas has multiple first round picks out there. Um, I think someone mentioned that they could have acquired three different first round picks um, for, for moves like this. And Maci said the combine that they were taking on bigger contract. So I can't wait to see them unveil it and what the reasoning behind it was. But um, very interesting trade to say the least. You know, once it gets announced.
2: Real quick. Speaking of announcing trades, there was uh, the San Jose Sharks just made a trade. They sent Mirko Mueller and a fifth round pick to the Devils for a second and fourth round pick. All the picks are in 2017.
3: That's a great trade for the Devils. And the Devils will
2: love their picks. Yeah, I've, I got. I'm. I'm not as. I've watched Mirko Mueller for probably a hundred games oh, really? in the last two years, and I. I think that that is a depth signing, a depth acquisition. Oh really? Mueller's decisions with the puck are stupefying. He has three plays. He either chips it over to his defensive partner, rings it around the boards, or puts it back behind the net. Um, what we saw of him in Everett has not been what we've seen in New Jersey. He might, might be a 6'7 defender uh, if he's able to turn things around.
3: Oh, I thought his his
2: stock was a bit
3: higher, Zach, because, you know, the Devils being over here, I can tell you, their organization, I mean, it's a miracle to me. I mean, granted, their top, their first five players are terrific, but after that, their organization, I mean, it's falling off a cliff. They need players yeah. uh, like you wouldn't you wouldn't believe. So getting a young defender uh, that obviously gives gives pause based on because I know he's been uh, on the uh, strong prospect list the last couple of years. But uh, uh, my last point I don't mean to be to berate that David Clarkson is. So does that mean Vegas is going to have a cap hit for the next three years of 5.25 million of a player who's not going to play or? Uh, does that work a little differently with the long-term injury reserve where they can put him on that? Does anyone know that? or
1: No. no my understanding on that, um, Chris, is that Vegas would take the cap hit of 5.25 for the next three years, and that would be a big help to get them to the cap floor, you know, given that they want to go young and cheap and get as many picks and prospects right. as possible they would consider this move to help get to that cap for, like, if they're getting an extra first-round pick and a prospect out of it, um, they certainly don't have a problem taking on a contract like that. Um, It it gives them a benefit. But my understanding is that they would take the full cap hit for the next three years. Well, uh, keep in mind, that just brings up one last point for me. Keep in mind, uh,
3: because I've read a lot of deals like this brought up, there's only so many times you could do that. I mean, the cap, by all accounts, is going to remain basically flat. Maybe it goes up half a million or a million dollars. So you're dealing with a seven, roughly a $73 million cap ceiling. You you can't have, you know, $15, $18 million in cap contracts uh, that, that are going to bury you. So, um, you know, again, I mentioned Mark uh, in, the, in the last few weeks. Uh, Mark, I said to you, like, I could see them doing a deal like this. If someone had two years left, obviously in the case this case it's three, so it's a little bit more. But uh, I can't see McFee doing this, you know, three four times these kind of deals, uh, unless I'm missing something.
0: Yeah, you did make that point, and and I, I the term was definitely what we, what the sticking point was on on these types of deals, and I believe. Um, that They would be locked into keeping him. I think anybody taken in the expansion draft has to be or can't be bought out at least for a year. Um, I think that I'm right about that. So maybe maybe uh, for a first round pick there, it's worth it. We did. We had the same discussion last week, Chris, and you're right. It was it was term. So um, interesting, I guess. I guess we'll know more tomorrow. We've got about three minutes left on the clock here, boys. Um, Start with Mark, real quick. Uh, Final thoughts and where where people can find
1: your work. I'll just throw one final thought out there about what Chris said. I believe that the NHLPA is in the midst of a vote for a 2.5% increase in the upper limit. And if that were to be the case, you'd be looking at around a $75 million cap for next year if the reports are true, just kind of throwing that out there. So that would be, you know, a little bit of extra cap space for everybody if that's what happens. But um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at thwmark. Mark, that I'll be at the NHL draft um, at the United Center. And, you know, follow along. Love to talk with you about hockey or, you know, anything that you got.
0: All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you for joining us today. And, and same for you, Zach, final thoughts and where people can get a hold of you.
2: Well, I I think this is going to be a solid draft year. I know it's been disparaged quite a bit, but I think there's going to be a lot of good NHLers to come out of this draft and um, kind of watching the old Twitters go by during the show. And a lot of people disappointed uh, that there wasn't more movement. And it's important to remember that there's a lot of discussions going on. The roster freeze had a lot to, to, you know, uh, a big hand and maybe not, seeing the moves that we thought we'd see right now. But there's a lot to go on between now and, and free agency. Uh, so this is going to be a, a heck of an offseason, and, and it's exciting. Uh, and uh, John Chickna, I believe, said uh, about the expansion draft that, you know, Vegas paid half a billion dollars to enter the NHL. They deserve a, a one player off of every squad. Um, so that's uh, I thought that was a good quote. Um, Absolutely. so you can find, uh, my, I'll have my, uh, final rankings up, uh, just as soon as I can kind of get over a, a couple log jams that I, I've got going on. That'll be over at, uh, hockeyprofits.com. We have a lot of prospect news, player reports, all kinds of stuff on there. And so you can check it out there. I also keep all the San Jose, uh, prospects and participate in the Dauber prospects mock drafts. Um, all of our rankings and things like that over at dauberprospects.com. On Twitter, you can follow me uh, at Zach the Bear at Z-A-K-K-T-H-E-B-E-A-R. Uh, right now, I'm kind of hunkered down with draft, but uh, once I get out of the lab, I'll be back to my normal active self.
0: All right. Well, thanks, guys. Always appreciate you guys both coming on the show. We talk to you guys frequently throughout throughout the season, and I'm sure we'll we'll be having you back on again as as we go through the summer and into the fall. uh, Shake out how the draft all came down. Guys, really appreciate your time. I'm up against the clock and I got to let everybody go. But thanks you guys so much. Uh, you can follow Chris at the NL King on Twitter for all of his islanders content. Make sure you follow Chad G Dominicis at C underscore D Dominici's ten for the launch of Grand Sand Sports, our new pla- our new platform for our podcast. We're really excited to be a part of that team. So for Mark,
1: Zach next and week, Chris, real
3: quick real quick, next week we go over the who we're on the Vegas Golden Knights and the first round of the draft.
1: Yep,
0: yep and we're gone.